Hey, 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 Matt. We're back. Oh, oh, we're back. And better than ever. Indeed. Wait, why? Because this first episode of 2024 is also our 50th episode of all time. 50? 50 episodes? 50 episodes. I can't believe it. I know. It seems like just yesterday I was sitting in a stuffy room at my workplace recording these um, recording these little episodes producing shitty audio. Now look at us. We have a full Patreon subscriber. I'm surely we have more than one at 50. <laughs> we'll see what happens. This We're recording this in early December. Uh, there's still time for a Christmas miracle. Yeah, we're expecting like 30 or 40 people to subscribe between uh, now and next year. Yeah. So. And if that hasn't happened, now's your chance to, to, um, to make it happen. It was, seems like it was just yesterday that you tricked me into doing this with you. Welcome, Traveler, to Dungeons & Dialectics, the synthesis of tabletop role-playing games, philosophy, and Today we're doing our New Year's episode, and we're going to be doing a little quiz, or should I say, oh, yeah. I'm going to be doing a little quiz that Joey has prepared to test me and my prowess in the realm of, of Dungeons and dragons and i'm gonna be taking this quiz live oh yeah oh yeah and theology apparently no wait and Is philosophy it and philosophy well hopefully i fucking this- pass the philosophy <laughs> jesus christ this quiz and and by the time you are listening you're listening to this listeners you all have had a chance to take this quiz we've posted it on twitter we've bothered you on discord about it i may have messaged you on on facebook you've had a chance to take this quiz <laughs> i've been and i've so- been throwing the link to people at the supermarket <laughs> yeah you can. We have it on QR codes that we're distributing in um, in Chick Tracks, and so the um, so you may know you may already be familiar with the quiz, but for those who have not, this is a quiz about our two years doing this podcast about all fifty episodes. If you have listened to every episode of this podcast, you have heard the answer to every one of these questions at some oh. point in your life. Yeah, I never listen. Now, <laughs> now it's a tough quiz. Uh. I scored, so I I wrote the quiz, and yeah. I only scored a ninety nine percent. You failed so, the quiz you wrote. What are you doing? Well, I got an A, but I didn't get a hundred percent after I wrote the quiz. So in this household, if it's anything under one hundred percent, it's an F, brother. Yeah, I'll tell I you, see, oh, prepare to fail the quiz, Matt. <laughs> um, well, I so mean, yeah. If you, <laughs> okay. So, so we're gonna we're gonna take the quiz. If you haven't taken it yet, it's it, the link is in the description of the of the episode. You can follow along with Matt, and you can see uh, how well you do. And then when you get to the end of the quiz, we have everybody, we have both my score and Matt's score posted, so you can compare yourself and see if you're better than us. Should I read the little blurb you wrote at the beginning of the quiz? Um. So I. I'll read. I'll read you the blurb and the questions, and then you'll you'll just walk us through the reasons that you, you're answering. All right, sounds good. Let's get this thing Great. rolling, baby. All right, Matt. The big bad two year Dungeons and Dialectics quiz. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> travelers, 
It's been two years of tabletop RPGs, philosophy, and theology with your favorite dynamic duo, Matt and Joe. Yeah. Real fans can test their knowledge of the deep, deep <laughs> lore of Dungeons and Dialectics and compare their results to Matt's score after he takes the quiz live on our podcast. Wow. That's happening right now, folks. Indeed. We, we, so, we already know you fucked it up, so let's see if I can beat your ass. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can beat me. Part one. <clears throat> checklists. Yeah. So for these questions, you're just going to check the boxes for everything that applies. Okay. You ready? Yep. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So according to theologians like Carlos Mesters, who systemized the biblical circle methodology for reading the Bible in community, prophecy has which of the two following functions? And then I'm not going to read all the answers if you're following yeah. along. <laughs> the community, but Matt, you can like walk us through okay. everything. So let's see. Maybe I'll read all of them. And the- <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't. Have, so, there are a lot of answers. Well, there's, there's not. There's, there's. All, uh, right. All, there, right, all right. I'll read them. I'll read them. So it says the first one's predict the future, predict the future, basically, and that's not correct. Let me tell you. Okay. Because uh, although you know we use that term, we, we we use the term prophet to talk about about this today. Like you say, oh, it was prophetic. He knew it was going to happen. If I'm recalling correctly, Joe, that just isn't right. There's more of a moralized function here. No, I, so, can't, I can't. I can't tell you until you get to the end of the quiz. Well, I'm just gonna give. I'm giving you my rationale. Mm-hmm. That's all. So the second one is to announce this for the viewers. The second one, the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> the second one is denounce sin. That sounds right to me. I'm gonna click that one because yeah. it's got a moralized function. Now, establishing strong allies in the Middle East. Um, that sounds. Wrong. <laughs> um, I mean, although we're always looking for more allies in the Middle East, we, you know, it's yeah. like this is this this podcast's pro oil or something. Um, okay, proving that <laughs> tread carefully. This is a difficult time to be talking. Yeah, about I know. This. this is a difficult. Well, I'm just trying to introduce a little yeah. levity into the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, proving that dragons are real. Although dragons are real according to the Bible, that doesn't sound right either. Mm, Announce. The promise of liberation. That does sound right. So I'm going to click that as my other second one. All right. So the other ones are warning about spiritual warfare, predicting when the world will end, which reminds me of the first one, predicting future events, mm-hmm. and proving that Satan's real. Those all sound po- – warning about spiritual warfare sounds actually kind of plausible, but I'm going to go with denounce sin and announce the promise of liberation. That's my. Those are my two answers to question one. All right. All right. We'll see what happens when we get to the end. We'll see what happens. Um, Next up, or should I tell you if you, I don't no, actually don't, remember don't if you tell, kept them all right. Don't tell me yeah. if I got it right. We'll just go through it. All right. All right. That's true because anyone following at home may think, ah, yes, Matt is right or Matt is wrong. And anyway, then I can, and if you just tell me I was right, I can just go back and change it. Well, yeah, but you wouldn't because we want to <laughs> actually know how well you did. That's, that's um, fair enough. But I, all I right. could. Question number two. Which yeah. of the following are necessarily true? Across the true. Dungeons and Dragons campaign settings, Forgotten Realms, Eberron, okay. Spelljammer, Dark Sun, Dragonlance, and Ravenloft in fifth edition, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my god! Let's see. So the answers are: there's only one for this, or no? no is that right? There's check boxes. So click as many as you think. Oh no! Okay, that makes it. Uh, I'm gonna fuck this up. Horrible. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm down this asterisk now. Okay, I, roll two represents advantage. That sounds right. I'm gonna go with that for one. All right. So roll two dice to represent advantage. I'm gonna check that. 
Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. So the use of D20, <laughs> I think that's that sounds good. That sounds right. Unless yeah. they're unless Hasbro's getting so, cute. So what do you think? Why are you saying these ones? Um, this is just my familiarity with the game mechanically. You know. Yeah. So it's like I'm just I'm I you know I don't remember you talking about this shit. So I'm just projecting out as we I'm making an inductive projection based on my five E experience. Well, also like tell us what like necessarily true was from our episode well, about multiple worlds, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. 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 About okay. So, so good. So necessarily true. Yeah. So we talked about this way back, but the idea was one way that a lot of modern thinkers talk about these modal terms is to cash them out in terms of like possible worlds, possible situations, right? So like say that something is necessarily true would be to say that like, oh, in every possible situation, it's it's true, right? So like uh, two plus two is four, you know, presumably. It's necessarily true because in every possible world, it's true. Yeah. Um, that's one way of talking about it or at least modeling right. it, right? It's trying to provide yeah. what they would say is a semantics for these terms. So you're trying to figure out which one of these is true, in every one of them, yes. In every one of these, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, so great. So I just twenty roll, roll two yeah, dice. Good. So like from my experience playing these games, use the d twenty and rolling two dice to represent advantage in five e is in every you know five e setting as far as I know. So I'm just going to assume that yeah. yeah, it's necessarily it's it's what we would call five e necessary in every five e yeah. setting. It obtains. Now it's not TTRPG necessary because there are TTRPGs mm. where these aren't true. Mm, very nice. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, drow are inherently evil. I don't know if that's true. Fucking D&D's super racist, but... (laughs) Um, Are we including the most recent rule supplements that remove the racial indexing of of these things? Um, Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, You can include that. Actually... I can't. Inc- I'm, 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 I feel like I'm secretly asking you the right answer right now. <laughs> yeah. You um, can't include that. I can include an awareness of the fact that races are no longer yeah. n- evil. Okay, good or evil. Okay, well, then I won't click that one. Thank you, Joey. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> elves exist. I'm iffy on this. Let's see. Forgotten Realms, Eberron, Spelljammer. I don't remember what Dark Sun is. I guess you can't tell me. What is Dark so, Sun? Dark, Can you Dark tell Sun, me? <laughs> actually, I, I fucked this up. The Dark Sun setting has not been revived for 5th edition. Okay. So I need to know. take that out before we make this public. Okay, good. Um, but you know what? It doesn't matter. What is a Kender? Can yeah. you <laughs> remind me what Kender is? <laughs> uh, Kender is, uh, they're like short people that steal things. Okay, well that's, uh, you we, know. We have talked about them on the podcast. Fair enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that Kender are in some but not all of these. That's my guess. Mm. Oh, interesting. That's a guess because short people who steal things, I don't know what that shit is. Yeah. Uh, could be. It could be, but I'm just making a guess. Elves, though, that's pretty bog standard. And since Hasbro wants to sell this shit, I'm going to assume that elves exist in every one of them. So I'm going to click that. All right. Undead or animated by negative energy from the plane of negative energy. I'm going to leave that unclicked and I'll tell you why. Tell me why. There, I wouldn't be shocked if there were a mechanical structural equivalent to this in every one of these. Uh-huh. But plane of negative energy, to my ear, this might be wrong, but to my ear rings like something like, oh, that's some kind of Forgotten Realms or like Eberron or something. I'm not sure which, you know, but it sounds like it's a specific realization of one trope that they might do differently in different ones. Interesting so theory. I'm going to leave it unchecked, but it could be wrong or it could be, it could be true. I don't know. All right. All right. 
Let's do number three. So I'm checking three boxes for this. Great. In Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, the soul includes or determines which Well, that's not on mine. What I'm seeing next is the Odyssey response to the problem. Oh, it shuffles the order. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So (laughs) that's okay. So anyone listening and following along is is just fucked. Great. Well, it's whatever. Um, All right. Theodicy responds to the problem of evil, which points out that the apparent logical inconsistencies in a god in which, with with which of the following properties. You need need to fucking grammar check this shit, Jeff. Yeah. This is we're editing live on the podcast. Okay, <laughs> let me look at. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read you some of the ones that I don't think fit. Um, Polly loving kindness, as we all know, God, as relayed in the current version of the Hebrew Bible and I guess the New Testament too, whatever, um, is not Polly is is not even able. To, it's it's God's basically a sort of incel, uh, from what I can tell. <laughs> Um, although I think he might have been married once, so maybe he's just divorced. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I, and if you're divorced, I mean, you could be in a poly relationship, but I just don't see it. So I'm not going to click poly loving kindness, especially, well, whatever. Clairvoyance. No, definitely not. God is not clairvoyant, clearly. Um, I don't, omnividence. I don't know what that is. Omnividence. <laughs> Omni, omnivorous. God probably eats a lot of things, but... <laughs> Trichotomy, that's a logical relationship that I can't fucking remember what it is. Okay, omnipotence, yes. <laughs> Omniscience, right. yes. Uh, omnibenevolence, yes. There we go. Omnipresent, that's interesting. I actually feel like that is subtly required for this because if God's not omni... I feel like omnipresent might be embedded in omnipotence because like, how could you be potent over things that you're not present for in some sense? I don't know, whatever. But usually it's omnipotence, omnibenevolence, so all good, and omniscience, all-knowing. How could God be all-powerful, all-good, and all-knowing at the same time? That's the problem. Wow. Wow. You're just blowing through these. Okay. Too easy. Too well, easy. I, I don't know about that. I mean, I li- I've been guessing off my ass for most of <laughs> Okay, so the next one is mark the box under each spiritual being slash force that each thinker believes in. So mark the box under each, <laughs> each spiritual being slash force that each thinker does believe in. So Good. It, it's impossible to know for sure the exact beliefs of each thinker or yeah. like group or whatever, but like base it on the works that we cited in the podcast. And uh, if if it's none, then I don't click anything. Then you just don't click anything. Okay. Yeah. So the first is Anton LaVey, the founder yeah. of Satanism. Now, if I remember correctly, Anton LaVey is what we would call a non-theistic Satanist, i.e. he doesn't believe in a... Satan is a, is a literal being. It's more like a metaphor. Yeah. Okay. So, so Satan's an option. No. God is an option. No. Animism. I mean, um, doesn't sound. I don't think he believes in anything. So, yeah. so right. I'm going to leave these empty. Okay. Okay. Walter Wink. Walter from Wink. The powers that be. Theology for the new millennium. I don't remember what Walter Wink believes other than he. <laughs> I, I think. <sighs> shit. I think he believes in, like, demons, but I don't think they're, like, literal demons in the sense that, like, dudes with whips and chains are, like, rolling around the earth getting ready to fuck my shit up. Yeah. So I'm going to click God. I think he believes in God. Um, I don't think he's an animist. Um, hell is – I don't I don't know. I'm just going to leave God. I think, I think I'm just going to click God. Right. Fair. It's respectable. All right. Next up, Peter Rollins. How not to speak of God. Yeah, Peter Rollins was the Christian atheist – 
guy, if I remember correctly. And I actually own one of his books, but I don't know what he believes. Um, <laughs> I don't think he believes in God. And in fact, I think he thinks the proper Christian ought not believe in God, you know, some, something like oh, that. Interesting. Animism, uh, he's not an animist as far as I know. Hell, I don't think he believes in hell. I don't think he believes any of this either, so I'm going to leave all this blank again. All right, we got Tom Ord, who wrote Open Relational Theology, an Introduction to Life-Changing Ideas. Oh my god, I'm so bad at this. Tom Ord, <laughs> Open... He also wrote another book that's more famous and has a catchier title, but I feel like gives too much away. Okay, well, that gives a lot away in itself. I'm going to say he believes in animism. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Um, okay, Peter Lightheart. The author, one of the authors of A Christian Response to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, this seems, this guy sounds like some dork. I'm going to say he believes in <laughs> Satan, God, and hell. Uh, great. Like a real, like a real dork. Like a real dork, he believes in three, <laughs> God, Satan, and hell. <laughs> All right. Is your next question about the soul or is it about the games before OD&D? Before, before. All right. Which games came before original Dungeons and Dragons was published? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, shit. <laughs> what is what the fuck is Beck me? Before Basic me, expert, um, master immortal. That doesn't. Where's the C? <laughs> oh, it's a. Uh, oh shit! What is the C for? I think it's like champion or something. I don't know what that is. I think uh, the Blackmore campaign was before it. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to... Chainmail sounds good. Yeah. Greyhawk Castle. Isn't that the fucking weird-ass castle where they went to the basement? Okay, that, I'm going to click that, too. Okay, so I clicked the Blackmore campaign, Chainmail, and Greyhawk Castle. I don't remember. <laughs> um, but... Blackmore campaign, that sounds like some sh some old-fashioned shit from the 70s. Chainmail, that I think that was like the rule set that uh, Gygax like, worked on before making D&D, if I remember. Like That sounds right. right. And Greyhawk Castle, that's probably wrong, because I think that is a setting later on, but I'm like remembering that there was like some kind of castle, you know? Like, and then yeah. they went to the basement instead, so I'm just going to click it on that alone. Great. And you, you ruled out Tunnels and Trolls in Chaturanga as well. I don't fucking know what that is. I don't even... I don't, how am I supposed to... <laughs> Chaturanga? It sounds like a horror movie from 1956. I don't know what that is. I mean, so maybe I should click it for that reason alone. <laughs> um, if, uh, we, we talked about Chaturanga in our most successful episode of all time. Really? Yeah, but I don't think you know what that one is. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I don't. Okay. Um, in Dungeons and Dragons, oh, yeah. I'll just read it. I'll read. Fuck you. I'll just read this one. What are we in Dungeons and I, yeah, I can just do this whole thing by myself. In Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, the soul includes or determines which of the following. Okay, so it's all the stats basically. Yeah. Um, size that doesn't sound right. Dark vision, racial traits. I fucking hope not. As <laughs> class features, I'm gonna say it, wisdom and intelligence. That sounds good. And maybe, like, also, uh, oh, Jesus, I don't know. Charisma? No. I don't know. Class features, racial traits, dark vision. <laughs> um, why is this, uh, am I finding a little cheat in this quiz? Why is this listed as only one point? <laughs> I, I wanted the points to add up to 100. Okay. 
Intelligence, wisdom, alignment? I don't think so. I don't know. Strength? No. Dex? No. Con? Maybe. But no. Intelligence and wisdom? May- yeah, I, I don't know. Charisma? <laughs> I don't know. Class features? Uh, yeah, maybe some class features. Why not? Well, uh, <laughs> why not? I, I don't know. I'm just I'm, uh, I'm iffy on that. I think those... Okay, so class features. Like, maybe for some classes, like if you're a wizard, maybe your soul's doing some crazy shit for you. Um, right. I'm just going to go with intelligence and wisdom. Fuck you. Okay, page two. All right. Just intelligence and wisdom. Yeah, that's it. All right. It's all it could Next ever be. Up, this is our matching portion of the quiz. Great. So you're going to... Um, there's you have to match which thing is true for which thing, but it's not checkboxes. Oh, the, oh no! So each each question, each category thing has only one correct answer. Okay. So, so first, first up, <laughs> match the benefits to the Patreon tier. Yeah. Uh, let me sc- let's do this where you read the first one and then I'll find it. All right. Okay. Match the benefits to the Patreon tier. Ten to twenty minutes of extended content. That's definitely Joe tier. Two dollars. Nice. Ad free content. I think that's uh, we don't have ads, so really it's not required. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that's the Matt tier. Bonus episodes. Uh, I think that's also Matt tier. Great. Oh Next wait, up. isn't everything the Matt tier? But then the Joe tier is just uh, it's just another dollar. Is that it? I think that's it. I think that's what it is. I think Matt tier gets you everything, and then Joe tier is just there to say fuck you to Matt. That's what I'm gonna say. It's distinctly possible. <laughs> okay, what's next? Um, great. So, in response to the Satanic Panic, fiends were rebranded in D anD D with different titles. Eventually, these these titles became specific kinds of demons or devils, and or demodans or whatever, um, uh, or they just became other beings. And more kinds were added in later supplements in the three point five edition of the game. So determine whether the creature or category refers to demons or devils or something else that is neither demon nor devil in Dungeons and Dragons lore. Yeah, oh, okay, great. So is this a demon? Is this a devil? Tenari. I don't know. Some fucking alien, probably. Other. <laughs> Obirith. That sounds like a demon to me. Or, well, right. uh, yeah, Obirith. That's a scary name. Bebelith. Sounds like a devil. Ba- Batizu, demon. Yugaloth, uh, demon. Demodand, I don't know, let's say it's a devil. Rakshasa, that's a fucking devil. Chitin, it's a type of crab, I'm gonna say other. Hellforged, I don't know. Uh, Lumara, it's, I don't know, other. I just, I had no idea what any of these are, Joey. This is a bullshit question. You think I'm a fucking dork? What's wrong with you? We talk about this in our in our episode on the Satanic Panic. I guess I didn't re-listen while taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you took notes? No, I'm saying if I were to remember this now, then I would have uh, listened again and taken notes. Uh, the yes, fact that yes, I yes, didn't yes. suggests something. <laughs> I see. All right, <laughs> next question about the problem. The problem of linear fighters and quadratic wizards has been addressed differently in each edition of Dungeons & Dragons to varying degrees of success. So you're going to match each edition to the rules that were used to address this edition. Before we go on, you didn't make this off the top of your head, did you? Did you, like, go back and re-listen to make sure you were Um, doing it right? I I looked at notes and I re-listened to to some of it. If it was a question about D&D... 
You didn't need to. Just about D&D, nine times okay. out of ten, I just knew the answers. Um, this this question, I did look up a couple of things to to make sure that what I was saying was, was true. Okay, fair enough. All right, so let's see. This one, to be fair, we haven't talked about every single one of these editions. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, so you but, just are giving me this question anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so the problem of uh, line fighters and quadra- quadrangle wizards is that... <laughs> Fighters uh, grow in an additive way. It's like, oh, they're a little better every level. But wizards grow exponentially, so they're way, way better than fighters at a certain point. Like, early on, they're they're relatively equivalent, but, like, yeah. by the time you go to a certain level, wizards so outclass fighters that you're mm-hmm. basically not going to be able to compete. So let's see what your yeah. options are. Early options favor casters... But later supplements provide new martial classes, powerful weapons, and useful feats for marshals. Um, if I'm going off my memory, so I don't really know this that well, so I'm just going to say one thing I remember that we talked about was that in 3.5, late supplements introduced certain secret features that they were working on for fighters for 4th edition, right? So it's like a taste of 4th edition. Mm-hmm. And I know that 4th edition had other things that made it easier to be a fighter. So I'm going to say that early options favor casters, but later supplements provide all this stuff. I'm going to say that's 3.5. Great. The next is disparity is encourage stronger characters get access to special classes and more XP. I don't fucking know what that is. Disparity <laughs> is... Um, they want there to be a power disparity. They want yeah, some yeah, yeah. to be more powerful. Um, Yeah... Okay, so if I had to guess, I would pick Pathfinder 1E just because that's supposed to be like 3.5 plus, like everything you loved about 3.5, but they're changing it now for 4E. So like one of the changes, I think they tried to make, this is, this is going to be one of the things, but basically like 4E fighters are just wizards or just casters is what people say is a meme. So like my thought is like, what would a bunch of dorky game designers do who wanted to make 3.5 yeah. plus? Oh, disparities are part of the game. So let's say Pathfinder 1E. Boop. All right. Okay. All classes have powers balanced against one another. Um, hmm. I'm going to come back to this one. All right. Marshall's a event in the wording. All cl- okay, wait. All classes have powers balanced against... Oh, well, then that probably is 4E. If the power, the idea of these powers... I'm going to go with 4E for now. I'm going to go with 4E, but I'll leave it open. Right. Powers balanced against one another. Yeah. Spellcasters level up more slowly than marshals, and marshals eventually get an army. Um, I think that's, like, ultra early on, so I'm going to say that's, like, original D&D. All right. They get... They, I don't know what Beck me is, again, so that might be... <laughs> Basic expert champion master immortal. Is that earlier than OD&D? Uh, these are written... In order of of uh, publication. Okay, good. Uh, so that it comes for people who are yeah. just listening. Yes, Beck Me is a later edition than original Dungeons and Dragons. There's a period in between original Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons and second edition advanced yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, where it's where they're not conceiving of the game in terms of editions, yeah. but publishing different versions of the game that do change the way that it's played. So they have original Dungeons and Dragons 
And then it takes them a while before they decide, oh, well, we're going to split it into basic Dungeons and Dragons and advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And then at another point, they say, well, we're going to have five levels, basic, expert, champion, master, and immortal. And then they uh, they have a new basic edition, which blah, is the blah, 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 Jesus Christ, Jerry. Until eventually Gary Gygax decides, this is the uncharitable reading. Yeah. He's like, I'm tired of paying royalties to Dave Arneson. We're going to start a second edition, AD&D. I'm the only person who's writing it. And now we don't have to pay anyone else any money. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll keep that in mind. Um, let's see. Broken spells. We'll help you with this question. <laughs> I can tell. Broken spells and feats are removed. And martial classes are made stronger. Eventually, some new hybrid classes combine martial and spell casting. Uh, that also sounds like... Uh, like 3.5 era. Um, hold on, I'm gonna sneeze. Salud. Okay. Um, I'm gonna guess yeah. this is this is Beckme because I don't know what Beckme is. <laughs> Caster's most expert champion. Master Caster's mortal. mostly buff. Uh, that sounds like five e or some bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> and then bounded accuracy prevents any character from becoming too strong. Pathfinder two, the lamest game ever ever made. Definitely two yeah. weeks. I don't know. I just dumped all this bullshit in here. I totally don't know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> I can tell by the end it was it was a lot less <laughs> methodical. Thoughtful. Yeah, yeah, I was really yeah. going for it at first. Ah, um, it sounds like 5e. <laughs> okay. Um, great. Uh, next, next question. Match the author to their philosophical, religious, or political views. Great. Gary now, Gygax. Oh, now, yeah. Okay. Do scroll, scroll to the right because there's one option that's been... That's been cut off the edge. Okay. Christian anarchism is hidden back there. So I'm going to. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we got Gary Gygax. I know he's some kind of Christian dude. So I'm going to say he's a Christian anarchist. All right. Because uh, he's probably some kind of, I wouldn't be surprised. He's like, I think I remember him having some like libertarian-ish views, but it's not, but like in a way that wasn't anti-left. So I'm going to say he's a Christian anarchist. All right. You know, because um, the other cause the options are absurdism, liberation, theology, Nazism, which I don't think Gary Gygax was a Nazi. Um, Lutheran. Boring. Objectivism. <laughs> objectivism. Uh, Ayn Rand. Christian atheism, which he's definitely not. Biological determinism. <laughs> and Christian anarchism. So of these, it's I think Gary Gygax was a Christian anarchist. Okay, John Sorbi- Sobrino. I don't remember who this is. Can you, can you remind me without cheating? Um, or would that no, go away? No, absolutely not. That, okay, so I'll save him for last. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I have met... John Sobrino is the only person on this list I've met. Okay, so he's a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have... That's a bad joke. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a Lutheran. I think. Ayn Rand objectivism, easy peasy. Hates God, loves man as God, <laughs> loves loves God when God is a, a man who's making money. <laughs> Heidegger, Nazi, easy. Yeah. Samuel easy, Beckett, easy. absurdism, and uh, Joey. Have I talked to you about this? I've been working on a lot of Beckett recently. Oh uh, no! What have you been working on? Um, in one of the introductory sections to one of the sections of my of my dissertation, I have a mm. analysis of two different pieces of Beckett prose relating it to what I'm doing. Oh, great. I, yeah. I love Samuel Beckett. Yeah, he's my favorite. So, Waiting for Godot, one of, the, one of my favorite plays yeah. that have I've you ever re- read and watched the YouTube video of. <laughs> have you, I saw a production of it in high school. 
I know. I'm so jealous. I would love to see it live. And it was the best because I watched it and then I had to use the bathroom and they had TVs in the bathroom that were playing it. So I could have just sat in the urinal the whole time watching. And that would have been truly absurd. You would have sat in the urinal? Yeah, that's what Becca would have wanted me to do. Or ah, in the garbage. True. True. Um, I just finished reading his first published novel, Murphy, which is very hard to read. I haven't read any of his uh, novels. Pros. Yeah, I, I recommend it. The thing about Murphy that's interesting is it's yeah. um, it's not quite full bore of of what will happen. Like it's still he, it's still got a co- somewhat coherent narrative. It's still uh-huh. got it's got a lot more like referencing of literary and philosophical tropes than he does later on. He's got a much more stripped down style as he progresses. Yeah. So it's an interesting novel. It's very transitional. But anyway, yeah. uh, okay. Leo Tolstoy. I think he's also a crit. Can, can this be more than one person fits, fits, fits a bubble? Nope. One to one. Okay. Leo Tolstoy is a Christian anarchist, so I'm going to have to change my Gygax answer <laughs> to something All else. Right. Uh, but I'll go back to that. So, well, wait. Would, I don't know. Would you count Tolstoy as a liberation? You've met John Sobrino. He must be a liberation theologian. Easy. Uh, Christian. That, good, that, that was a good hint. Good, it was a good hint. I don't know why I didn't immediately pick up on it. Pete Rollins, Christian atheist, of course. Yeah. Um, so he appeared got, in another question. That's right. So we've got Tolstoy and Guy Gax. Now I'm pretty sure Tolstoy is a Christian anarchist. Uh huh. So I guess I have to say Gary Guy Gax is a uh, biological determinist. I didn't remember this about him. <laughs> is, this, so, is this right? <laughs> Is this, is this correct? <laughs> this is 100% correct. So oh, wow. Now, we'll just, we'll pause on this for a moment. Did, did you um, do this so that I would winnow my way down to the, to him being a biological determinist? <laughs> like, what? He's a biological no. determinist? <laughs> I wasn't sure which things you would be familiar with. Um, yeah. I figured Ayn Rand, yeah. Samuel Beckett, and Heidegger were going to be easy yeses for you. Um, actually, I figured this whole question would be pretty easy for you. Yeah. Because you, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you... I've been reading a little no. bit on and off. Could you've been reading him? You know he's Lutheran. Yeah, uh, maybe could have gotten tripped up with him in liberation theology, but like not for anything. There's one person with a Spanish name on this list. I thought he was. Ita- I thought he was an Italian. No, John Sobrino is Spanish. <laughs> it's like Johnny Sobrino from you know from the the deli from the Italian um, deli. So, <laughs> um, I wasn't sure if you. We're familiar with Leo Tolstoy as a Christian anarchist, or if yes. you remembered us talking yeah. about that. Well, um, I, I don't know if I really remembered it from us. I have read about Tolstoy. I'm actually aware of this more. For, so Wittgenstein, the 20th century philosopher, was yeah. enamored of Tolstoy's condensation of the the Gospels. And I was mm-hmm. recently reviewing something about that, or it was like in a book I was reading or something. So I don't oh, remember okay. how it came up. So I'm, then so then it was like, oh, well, Tolstoy is a Christian anarchist. So that's how I remembered Part of this is also, like, me trying to, like, remind the folks who are listening to this, um, because it is an educational podcast. They're like, oh, like, remember Leo Tolstoy, he, you know, you read War and Peace in high school, maybe, or whatever, or college. Or, like, some of his shorter writings or something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Or (laughs) maybe maybe maybe, maybe Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 before it closes on Broadway. Um, But... Like, do people realize he's a, he was a Christian anarchist? And perhaps the most famous of Christian anarchists. Anyway. I, mad respect for, for Tolstoy yep. for this reason. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very... I approve strongly. <laughs> do, do you? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in anarchism. I'm not sure if I would want to full bore endorse being an anarchist, you know, mm-hmm. from like a left wing, pers- not like anarcho capitalist, but like like real yeah. anarchism. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, you know, I'm interested in it, and uh, I respect most people who I who are anarchist philosophers. So, I, I. I am really interested in in continuing to learn more about anarchist philosophy. I agree with a lot of the analysis of problems, and there are certain social issues that I'm not sure uh, anarchism is is up to the task of solving. Yeah, but I mean, basically, basically, yeah. Um, Philosophically, this is something I'm just starting to learn about. But Walter Benjamin is a sort of anarchist, but it's not. It's not like a. Poli- it's not clear that it's like legal political it's like some kind of mm-hmm. philosophical spiritual thing i'm not sure i quite understand it but yeah. i'm very interested in that specifically yeah. um so yeah the the thing about christian anarchism that sometimes i get a little iffy on is there are some christian anarchists that i feel are um lean lean too heavily in or or think that a a certain homogeneity in the community is necessary to maintain anarchism. And so uh-huh. their proposal is, oh, well, it should be a Christian anarchism. Because, they're not Christians and anarchists. Yeah. They're Christian anarchists in the sense that yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And not in the um, sense where it's like something about the Bible leads us to be anarchists. Rather, it's like you can have an anarchic community only if everyone's a Christian or, so, or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or that like a uh, community should be segregated based on like religion or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not into that. I don't accept is, that. As an American, I don't of, accept that. This is sort of a reductive reading and I'm not sure any of the people I have in mind would ed- okay. like openly say that's what they're proposing. But like some of their writings sort of lean in that direction. Okay. Well, can you anyway, explain to me how Gygax is a fucking biological determinist again? Yes. He's a biological determinist and he has a letter that he writes um, where he says, as a committed biological determinist, oh. these are like things that I think about uh, about the world and life and race and whatnot. And in what sense does he is he a biological determinist? He believes that um, that like your 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 heritage, your biological, like your genetics you know, or something, your genetic makeup determines basically everything about your your capabilities and so and your behavior like all your behaviors are determined by your genetics and stuff uh, not necessarily all your behaviors like not every decision you take okay but like like all of your for example okay okay so not for anything this is why races have racial oh interesting um, modifiers to ability scores and abilities and whatnot this because he was a biological de- de- determinist, and he says this. He admits this is his rationale <laughs> for why it has to be designed this way. It's got to be designed this and, way. <laughs> and it won't make sense in- to the public if orcs aren't racially determined to be evil. <laughs> and so this is a this is a thing that has that's interesting, um, like permeated the hobby ever since then. That oh yeah, of course, like we have to have different um, like numbers associated with this, and it's really. Like, well, there are games that do away with it, but it really hasn't been until, like, the 2020s that Dungeons & Dragons started meaningfully addressing or, dude, or the, examining the, this, the, this baseline assumption. The influence of this is massive. Like, in video games, it'll be like, yeah. oh, I'm going to pick an elf because elves have t- plus 10 mana points. It's like the same logic exactly. falls out of this. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where, that's where it comes from. It all comes from, from Gygax's biological determinism. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> okay, next question. Um, all right, next question. 
Oh, this is a long one. A modern medical gaze, as uh. described by Michel Foucault, understands disease to be a part, a normal part of life. People should be treated holistically rather than simply addressing the disease as something foreign to life. Oh. Determine which diseases Joseph was diagnosed oh with my in God. 2023. Which how the, diseases how the fuck are, are our from, listeners supposed to do this? <laughs> are from Dungeons and Dragons, and which disease is just a random real world disease? We went we went okay. over all the diseases I caught. Yeah. This is a this is a hundred percent doable. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so let's start with gout. Uh, yeah, you have gout, I think. You've been eating too much pate and fucking... You've been living it up in South America or whatever, or Central America. Yeah, Central America. Yeah. Lycanthropy? Uh, I don't think you you have lycanthropy, so I'm going to say that's Dungeons & Dragons. Right, Sleeping sickness? That sounds like Dungeons & Dragons, too. I don't know. I mean, may, uh-huh. you can get the jet lag. Is that what you mean? Uh, can't tell you. Taunts... Tonsillitis, as in like uh, your tonsils get inflamed. Yes, I don't remember if you. I think you had this too. I think you got really fucked up. Arthritis. <laughs> that's just a random. I don't think you have arthritis, thankfully. Or no, wait, maybe you do. Fuck. <laughs> I feel like God really sm- smited you this year, but but oh. nevertheless. Oh, I was sm- I was smitten. You were smoked that's for by sure. God. Blinding I'm sickness. Smoked. That sounds like D&D. Tuberculosis. That's a big one I remember, of course. You had fucking awful tuberculosis. Werewolf syndrome. Um, lycanthropy and werewolf syndrome being listed in the same <laughs> list is very suspicious. Is it? So I'm going to say... What does it make you suspect? <laughs> it makes me suspect that werewolf syndrome is a real psychological thing that I'm going to put as a random disease. All right. Chronic bronchitis. Uh, you fucking probably had that. I don't know. Mummy rot. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Appendicitis. I think. I don't think you had that. Red ache. I don't know. You probably had COVID too. You fucking you sicko. And <laughs> filth fever. You definitely had that, but you probably won't admit it. So I'm gonna say that's D and D. Right. Okay. That's it. Good. Wow. There's a lot of guesswork here, but I feel good about my guesses. <laughs> Very nice. Um, great. Next we have. When describing initiative, um, select which statement most accurately reflects the A series and which the B series as a metaphysical understanding of time. Let me tell you, when I saw that this was on the list, because this is the first on this page, I was yeah. tempted to, as in the temptation struck me like uh, Jesus in yeah. the desert. I was tempted to look it up because I realized, not, not that I would, but you know what I mean? Like, I felt the yeah. temptation pulling on me. Satan was calling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um... I don't think about this kind of stuff at all, and it's boring as fuck, and I just looked it up for the sake of the episode we recorded. I can, and neither, I don't remember any of this shit, nor do any of my colleagues, ever, because nobody talks about this unless you're a boring dork. So, with that in mind, I feel like the B series was the eternalistic framework, and the A series was the regular one, that's how I'm remembering it. So, eternalistic would be, like, tenseless, like, before and after relations, like a linear line, like, this is before and that's after. Whereas um, the other is like, this is going to happen in the future, yeah. right? So like Max, yeah. you put it, Max just went, i.e. it's something that happened in the past. Now it's present Nina's turn, but it will be Joe's turn. When it's Joe's turn, it will be present. And so is that A or B? Well, so Max just went, now it's Nina's turn, i.e. it's presently Nina's turn, and Joe is next. I'm reading that as being the regular time like the way you put that uh-huh. as being the regular way that we think about time 
So I'm going to put that as the A series because that's what I think if I'm remembering that. And, yeah. and before and after is just like that would be eternally true that Nina's after yeah. Max and Joe's before yes. whatever. So I'm going to say that's a B series. That's how I'm remembering it. But I don't know if it's right mm-hmm. because, again, I don't think about this at all because it's so boring. Okay. Makes sense. Good. <laughs> next page. We're on to the next page. Page three. No, we, you still have another question. I do? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yes. This question is – this is the hardest This is why I did badly on multiple choice <laughs> tests. <laughs> I – Identify which statement is from Francis Fukuyama, author of The End of History in The Last Man, and which statement is from publicity surrounding 1D&D, the launch of 1D&D. Oh, no. This is is a hard one. What came out of that process is a system that... I feel like you've... you've, Before I even read these, I feel like you've you've probably set this up to be, like, mind-fucking... So you, you like you like stripped quotes to make it sound like the Fukuyama quotes are going to sound like D&D quotes and the D&D quotes are going to sound like Fukuyama. Yes. So that's how, that's how I'm going to encounter this. So people oh, want so more you're than... Gonna, you're going to switch which one you think it is. <laughs> I think so. People want more than just peace and prosperity. They still want worlds to conquer. Sounds like a D&D quote because it's some stupid shit about like <laughs> kicking ass. So I'm going to say it's a Fukuyama quote. You know, it's like, this is about his theory of recognition. Like, we want worlds to conquer. Okay, what came out of that process is a system that's stable. This is D&D, for sure. Because it sounds like it's Fukuyama. The end is not... (laughs) The end is not the stopping. It's the direction that progress is pointing toward. That's (laughs) D&D. To to update the rules of the system to reflect the feedback that we've heard? Oh, Jesus. I don't know, man. That... (laughs) That does sound like D&D, and I'm tempted to say Fukuyama for some reason said this. Let me see. The rules of the system to reflect the feedback. Yeah, that's Fukuyama. He's probably talking about some bullshit about neoliberalism. <laughs> Are you laughing because I caught, I caught on to your fucking cheat? I caught your ass before it happened. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's, it really is hard to tell. Yeah. Okay. Most, of these, most of these quotes... Um, have appeared on the podcast. I just want to point this out. Okay, fair enough. They, um, <laughs> we did like a smash cut of uh, a bunch of uh, like Fukuyama quotes. Yeah. Like him speaking or people talking about him. Interme- interspersed with publicity around 1D&D. And I think the full montage is on the Patreon. And it introduces like one or two episodes when we talked about 1D&D. <laughs> but I just remember listening to the way they were talking about it. And I was like, this sounds like suspiciously like francis fukuyama yeah. it was like the first thing i thought so okay um so i'm on to yeah there would be no further development of underlying principles because all the really big questions have been settled that that does sound like fukuyama too much i'm not i'm just gonna say it's fukuyama my plan is falling apart as this goes on <laughs> this is a system that came about not by any plan but it's turned out to be viable i, I that sounds like fukuyama as well being a big city lib libtard or whatever yeah um, we stand at the start of a new generation. That's one D&D, I think. Right. Human beings are rule-following animals by nature. That's Fukuyama. Sounds like something Gary Gygax would say. Yeah, well, like, who the fuck is going to pitch their new game one D&D by like, <laughs> we're rule-following animals by nature. That's why we've added more rules or whatever. <laughs> this has been around for 50 years. That's one D&D. They're like bragging about how long the game's been out. It's not clear that there was a stage better than that. I don't know what that means, so I'm going to say it's Fukuyama. Okay, that's it. Page right. three. Page, on to page three. Page three, multiple choice. Yeah. So just pick the most correct answer for each question. Yes. Okay, what's the first right. one? First one is, the Illithid home world is known as the Sunset World, according ah. to Stephen Innes in Di- Dragon Magazine number 150. 
Its real name is. Yeah. Um. Damn, I remember thinking this was such cool shit when you told me, but I can't remember the name. Yeah. Was it Sirith Ungol, the Shadowfell, Sirith Aquar, Dalkor, or Kwa Siris, the Far Realm, Gestel, or Baranduin? Say Sirith Aquar again. Uh, Sirith Aquar. Are you, are you trying to, like, jog the memory of me and me saying this name to you? I'm trying to, like, I feel like a deep voice is reaching out for me from the abyss of my brain telling me that it's it's that. You don't think it's Gestel? No. Because <laughs> that's, hi- that's a Heideggerism. <laughs> I mean, that's too new. Yeah. And I would remember that. Um, what about Brandwin? It sounds like some fucking Bilbo Labingi shit. It is. It is. That's Western. Oh, nice. Or I forget if it's Western or Baranduin. Uh, what does that translate to in English? It's the Brandywine River. Baranduin. Oh, cool. Yep. That is such a. I that's the. I didn't know this about um, the Lord of the Rings that it's like all translated into. I think that's so cool and nerdy. I think but it's, it's so cool. It's so cool. Like Bill 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 Bill, Bill Levingi, Baranduin. That's <laughs> awesome. I love that shit. Yeah. All okay. right. According to Matt's definition of metagaming, oh which my of the gosh. following statements is true. Yeah. <laughs> my definition that was so that was simultaneous <laughs> it was like so vague that like nothing counts as metagaming or something <laughs> okay let's see well it was like anything I want to count as metagaming is metagaming and everything I don't yeah, want yeah, to count yeah. as metagaming isn't <laughs> okay so let's see what it is metagaming is yeah. by definition bad because it involves intentionally resolving the challenges of the game in favor of playing a metagame that sounds like what it was but let's keep going <laughs> metagaming <laughs> is neither good nor bad some metagaming is necessary for the game itself to function that was not my definition Matt does not have a, ne- a definition of rule gaming oh is this a trick question Yes, it is, because I didn't have a definition of rule gaming. I said I had a rule of thumb. You fucker. <laughs> you little fucker. You were, you were very insistent. <laughs> but yeah, the first answer is the closest to what I remember saying, which is yes. that it's, it's bad because it involves intentionally dissolving. That's yeah. true. But you did extra... also say looking at the adventure module after several hours of playing is not considered metagaming. <laughs> that was the thing I, you I said. Wouldn't, I would think it's fine. <laughs> because the pre-losery was losery. Is that like ludic? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. That's I mean, based on... um. Uh, oh, shit. What's the guy's name? Uh, Bennett's definition of, of a game. Whatever. I mean, I know the answer to this is, is, is that I don't have a definition of metagaming. It's a rule of thumb. <laughs> well, I mean, after you listen to me talk about it, didn't it seem like I only had a rule of thumb? Okay, what's next? It sounded like you just were, like, making shit up. Yeah. All right, what's next? What's um, next? Great. Why do Christian Zionists, as set forth in the Niagara Bible Conference of 1878, support a Jewish return to Israel? Now, quick caveats on this. Individual Christian Zionists may share some motivations or be unclear on the specifics of what order things happen in, but base your answer on the 19, on the 1878 Niagara Bible Conference yeah. and the specifically and officially Christian Zionist take on why this is necessary. Now, Zionism is a hot topic right now. We're not talking about Jewish Zionism. We're talking we're not, about like a very specific expression of Christian We're talking Zionism. about something so divorced from the conflict, which is... So- that, well, it's not actually, but whatever. It's Christ- really not. I mean, Christian Zionism circa 1878. Let's just let's just yeah. pretend that it is. I mean, even today, it's like this is I know foundationally is. part of the the support for the support for Israel. Yeah. Even okay. Today. Well, the first answer is obviously wrong. It is not because they care about Jewish people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because Unfortunately, they, you are correct. Now, the final three are all the same in one sense. <laughs> so this is kind of a trick question. So it's because the Jew, they believe that once the Jews return to Israel, the final judgment will begin. They believe that once they convert, the millennial age will begin. Or they believe <laughs> that once they convert, the tribulations will begin. Now, if I recall correctly, the millennial age, isn't that like... Oh, fuck, you fucker. <laughs> is the millennial this, admit, age... This, I'm reading this and I'm like, geez, I don't remember. Well, but I, I, the problem is this is just based on an order and I don't remember the order. The final judgment's yeah. last, I think. Yes. The tribulations. So, so, so Matt, this is this is for me is uh, similar to the the question about time for you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. None of the theologians that care about like, this. I respect or am in conversation with or that I read have any interest in. Um, well. I shouldn't say that. Um, believe either uh, about the millennial age beginning when Israel converts or the uh, tribulations beginning when Israel converts. The theologians I follow do subscribe to a um, a certain like they think about the the, the concept age, of the millennial but age. Most most theologians that I that I follow say that we're already in what's what's known as the state of it's like um ya pero todavía no like already but not yet yeah, that yeah christ has come and we're we're in process um but it's not <laughs> the work has not been the ship is on the launch the work, pad we just need the rocket fuel yeah well it's the work is completed but the the realization access, of the work yeah like our access to the completeness of that work is not is completed. not completed at hand I see. Yes. Wow, you think Jesus could have fucking yeah. done both things, but whatever. Yeah. Whereas the the Christian Zionists in this example, they they like believe like something has to happen and then the and then either the final judgment begins, the millennial age begins, or the tribulations begin, and there are theologians that argue about which comes first or which order they come in. Yeah. Okay, but well, it's it's dumb. Um yeah, it is dumb. So the problem that I'm having to, to remember is does I mean I can't, you can't answer this. It's yeah. whether the millennial age denotes the the age that comes after the final judgment, or if it's like the period of rule that's before the, the tribulations that then lead to the final judgment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So uh, I'm gonna yeah. Yeah, oh man. I don't think, you know what, maybe maybe this is a trick question because I don't think that these Christian Zionists think that it's necessary that the Jews have to convert for all this to happen, right? Well, I don't know. Don't answer that. Uh, so I'm going to go with that answer, even though I'm, I feel like I'm cheating, but I don't know. Which one? I'm going to go with because they believe that once the Jews return to Israel, the final judgment will begin because like, right. the reason I say that is I can't remember the process of the order of events. So because I don't think that they think that it's necessary that the Jews convert, maybe maybe the 1878 conference did, but I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with that right. one. So I'm just I'm just going to uh, throw out a little a little anecdote. I was at a I was visiting a church once yeah. and we had our and like we were speaking or doing something. You were on speaking so terms? Of, no, like we, I was speaking at the church. Oh, okay. Um, or I was helping somebody. And, and the, that's not important. The important part is we had a, a little prayer path, like a like a, a prayer. I don't know. Before we uh, we began the service, just like between the 
the cool kids who were who were like working on the on the who were speaking. Yeah. And the pastor and one volunteer, one of the greeters, and the pastor's like, uh, greeter person, why don't you pray for for us, please? And the <laughs> the woman said, "Oh, this was right after." Um, October 7th when Hamas attacked Israel. Yeah. And she said, oh, dear God, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel um, that, you know, the victims of the violence and yeah. we pray for peace. And, you know, they're facing so many tribulations. Dear God, we just pray that they may hear the the gospel and convert so that, that, so that there's an end to their suffering. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Damn, I feel like I got this one wrong. Um, let's keep going. That is a fucked up thing to say, though. Can you believe that? It's like, let me make this problem about me, or whatever. <laughs> let me make this tragic no, event about me. I know, it was like, oh, yes, some people got bombs. Like, damn, it could have been Christian. <laughs> yeah, if only. All right. Um, which statement best reflects Judith Butler's view on gender? Oh. Um... I think I'm going to go with the answer that is gender is an object of belief, I something we believe about each other, that result from one's act as a performance. So it's something we can perform out and other people will evaluate us based on our performances and so on and so forth. That sounds like the right answer. That sounds good. You don't think that gender is an immutable but small part of one's identity? I do not think that's Judith Butler's view of gender. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, next up, in the gaming blog Hack and Slash... What is one reason the author does not give for why using Quantum Ogres is bad? Yeah, let's see. So it's Quantum Ogres remove player agency. That is bad. The players will find out and resent the DM. That would be bad. It saves the DM time. Isn't that good? Why would that be bad? Mm -mm. It limits creativity. That would be bad. There are plenty of resources on the internet for populating the setting. What do you mean by that? As in, like, filling out the other options? Yeah, so, like... like, even if you're at a loss, a loss for inspiration, you can find something that someone else has made. Yeah, I'm going to say that Hackslash does not think that Quantum Ogres are bad because it saves the DM time. Because saving the DM time is good. It's a desideratum of our, of our, of our, of our you know, stuff. Uh, well, I mean, who knows what, who wrote Hackslash? Maybe they're, they're, they're perverse. I, mean, I know. They're perverse Anyone and hate DMs. Our, <laughs> our episode on Quantum Ogres should know. Yeah, okay, well, fuck you. Two years ago. All right, next. Which philosopher believes we live in the best of all possible worlds? Slyness. This is for you. It's Leibniz easy. Yeah, you don't think it's Voltaire expressed through his self-insert character, Dr. Pangloss? <laughs> that Indeed. That's funny. Or also uh, Bertrand Russell because existence is inherently good. That doesn't sound right. Even if you existence, so? even, if, even if being is good or something, we could still live in a better world. Goodness comes in degrees. Know. Great. Some um, things are gooder than others. <laughs> Yes. The Panopticon proposed by Jeremy Bentham yeah. requires what? <laughs> it does require an invisible stalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so strictly speaking, I think the idea is that it requires no guards ultimately because the inmates will police themselves. They just need to think that there's one guard watching mm-hmm. everything, but there doesn't actually need to be any guards for it to run. Cool. I guess, you know, maybe the optimal way to do this would be to have everyone... Yeah, all you would need... In theory, all you would need would be... I mean, you need people to, like, take people out of their cells or exercise, I guess, but whatever. You... you the For the p- penal system to work, you don't need any guards. You just need them to believe that there's a guard. 
I'm just going to throw this out here. I live in El Salvador, and they are making a very strong argument for the case that you don't actually have to take them out of the cells to do exercise. I see. Well, maybe Bentham held this view as well. <laughs> maybe. Um, the oh, Hebrew my- word, often translated as deeps or depths, which appears in Genesis 1, as well as other places in the Bible, is etymologically related to which of the following words or names? I remember this. It's Tiamat. Tiamat. The giant dragon from, god. True. From Tehom. Tehom? Or it's related to Tehom. Okay. Matt is planning the ha, third installment you. of which tabletop RPG epic, his magnum opus? Uh, so it's is Honey it Heist 3, or is Matt is not actually writing the... Th- I'm, I'm, I'm planning for Honey Heist 3. I'm going I'm to click that box. All right, you're planning Honey Heist 3. It's not Troika? It is not Troika. It is not... It's not Blades in the Dark? <laughs> no. It's not... Matt is not actually writing the third installment of any TTRPG epic? No, it's Honey Heist 3. you really sure about that? I am sure. All right. I'm planning. Planning is a very thin uh, <laughs> criterion. All right. I, I'm... Uh, uh, I might have to. I might have to contend with you after this is over to see if I uh, got this wrong. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, the series finale of Seinfeld is based on which famous piece of existentialist or absurdist literature? I know this. It's waiting. The for, trial. It's waiting for Franz Godot. Kafka. Yeah. It's waiting. It's waiting for, for Godot. It's waiting for Godot. That's what I've been told. I don't remember. It's waiting for Godot. You have been told on the podcast by me. Is that right? Um, Maybe we'll find out when we get to your score. Well, who could say? Who could say? Um, Who could say? Uh, Last question. Margaret Kamitsuka. Kamitska? uh, Kamitska. I'm probably... Yeah, Kamitska. That sounds right. um, Whatever. Says the following about a theology based in hospitality. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So I don't remember this one. This was in our abortion episode, I think, right? Maybe. Okay. Uh, it's helpful for promoting just treatment for migrants. I don't know, maybe, but I'm not going to... That's not the answer. It presents a framework to show hospitality through supporting pregnant people's decisions over their own body. That sounds right, because it's an abortion episode. It's in direct contradiction to a theology based in kenosis. That, that I don't know. That might be true. Who knows? Keno- kenosis is, pouring is out. an outpouring of, of oneself. That sounds like God's being hospitable by pouring himself in, in me, if you know yeah. what I mean. Oh yeah, and it places. I think Kenesis sounds sexual, and it places. I'm say it. Un, it, it definitely is. It's it's it's. <laughs> it sounds kind of like semen if you say it really fast. Kenesis, Kenesis, <laughs> semen, semen. Oh oh shit, you're right. Kenesis. That sounded just like semen. Well, if you say both really fast, Kenesis, semen. <laughs> okay. Um, and Too then bad you don't have roommates. That would have been. Priceless. Dude, dude. <laughs> it places unchristian expectations on women to carry even inviable pregnancies to term. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, it places unchristian expectations on women to carry even inviable pregnancies to term. So wait, does this mean it would also place on un- Christian expectations on women to ask them to carry viable pregnancies to term? Is that what she says? I don't remember. I'm asking about the grammar of this <laughs> sentence. <laughs> that the the grammar of the sentence does not say anything about viable pregnancies. So the idea okay, so the first one is it places unchristian expectations on women to carry inviable pregnancies to term. This, the third one is it presents a framework. Uh, 
So Hold really, on. your question is whether Kamitska is interested in yeah. theology of hospitality or anti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. As it is relevant to the yeah, I'm trying to remember. Portion. Oh, I understand now. It places unchristian expect the, the theology of hospitality places unchristian expectations on women that would require that they take even in viable pregnancies to term. I see. Um, I don't remember, so I'm just going to go with that it's good. All right. <laughs> but it might be. <laughs> Great. It might, yeah, it might not be. I don't know. Um, so we're we're about halfway through the this quiz. Yeah. So I think um, we'll, we'll take a break. We're going to take a little break. And come back in, in two weeks with the remainder of the quiz. That sounds good to and me. And we'll find out how well Matt did. I'm feeling pretty pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> you feel if you had to guess what percentage you're at right now uh maybe like say? maybe like 50 50 percent all yeah. right or I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you you're actually doing better than 50 percent yeah i think Ugh. um you're, you're doing pretty well there are yeah. a couple of key ones that you've gotten wrong oh. um some with great confidence <laughs> but, uh, are you i mean i don't know i i'm exceptionally confident that i'm writing honey heist three <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't have a lot of confidence with that one. I, um, I had a supreme <laughs> confidence that I, <laughs> I'm planning Honey Heist 3. Great. That I'm planning Great. Honey Heist 3? I'm supremely confident about that. Well, folks, we'll see you next time on the big bad two-year Dungeons & Dialectics quiz. <laughs> 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 <laughs>